Kraken Fancast, presented by Silver City Brewery. The podcast for Seattle Kraken fans, by Seattle Kraken fans. Release the Kraken! Hi everyone and welcome to episode number 21 of Kraken Fancast, brought to you by Silver City Brewery. I'm your host Chris Porter, I'll be joined momentarily by my colleagues Jim Cockrell and Nathan Gunderson for some Kraken game discussion and some behind-the-scenes happenings focus. Plus, we'll present a special interview I was fortunate to be able to do during my recent visit to Washington, D.C., where I saw the Kraken take on the Capitals. Uh, This interview is with the team's senior editor and media content strategist, Mike Vogel, the team being the Capitals, that is. Uh, While Mike, you know, obviously doesn't work for the Kraken, but he has some very interesting perspectives about our team, along with some interesting uh, NHL stories in general. I hope you'll all find that interesting. So that's coming up a little later on. Uh, And last but certainly not least, we bring in our colleague, Luke Chelios, for some more discussion about number one draft pick, Matty Beneers, and some of the exciting stuff that's happening for him during his time as a Michigan Wolverine this season. Plus, we'll hit a few other topics, too. So Luke's coming up a little later. Uh, Folks, remember the Kraken FanCast releases episodes approximately every two weeks. On our program, we, of course, discuss all subject matter of the National Hockey League's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. We'll share news about the team, analyze their play, and go over some various team-related news. We'll also at times present some interviews, like today, and uh, with people who are involved with the team as well as the fan community. Plus, uh, we often aim to go through some different subject matter you might not hear on other Kraken-related podcasts. We'd like to start off by acknowledging our very kind and generous sponsors, particularly our presenting sponsor, Silver City Brewery, located in Bremerton, with their beer sold throughout the state of Washington and beyond. Beer for one, beer for all. Silver City is an all-inclusive Northwest craft beer adventure in every pint. Also, big thanks to the Angry Beaver, Seattle's number one hockey-themed bar located in the Greenwood neighborhood of Seattle. And we also thank Mojito, serving the best Latin American and Cuban food in the Seattle area, bringing together amazing food and amazing people. Check them out at MojitoSeattle.com. All right, let me get my uh, my list here of games. So since our last recording, uh, which was uh, February 28, so uh, there were a few games here in, uh, in March uh, that we didn't get to talk about before. Starting off with uh, Nashville, they were in Nashville. Um, no, excuse me, that would they no, this was a home game against Nashville, winning that game four to three. Again, a little tease of like, all right, beating a really solid team here, four to three, maybe a little run. No, no run. <laughs> well, they had a run, they had a run of four losses right after that. Uh, all road games. Uh, fortunately, they won the last road game out of the five. Uh, it was quite a long little trip they had there. They started off in Washington, which uh, I mentioned, and I'll talk a little more about in a little while. So Mark Giordano's 1,000th game. What an incredible achievement that was. And it was, a, it was nice to see uh, a nice uh, acknowledgement by, by the Capitals during the game for that. Uh, but uh, Kraken lose that one 5-2. to two. Uh, kind of in the game early and then just kind of the wheels fell off later on. Uh, then they go down to Carolina, lose that one. That was a closer one, three to two. Then heading up to Canada for three games up there, Toronto losing six to four. Then they go over to Ottawa. Ottawa's a pretty poor team. They can win, right? No, no, they uh, lost that one uh, in overtime. Okay, they got a point out of it at least, but they lost that ultimately four to three. Then they go over to Montreal, second game in a row overtime, this time winning. All right, four to three against the Habs. Um, and uh, so that was, uh, you know, we salvaged a little bit of that road trip. Then came back home uh, the other night against Tampa Bay, uh, despite getting that first goal. Uh, they, uh, they weren't in it much after that, losing four to one games coming up against Detroit, Arizona, uh, two, uh, away games, back-to-back away games against Los Angeles, and then come back home with two back-to-back games at home against Vegas. So an interesting little, uh, pattern of games there. I don't know, guys, what, anything you want to bring up about any of these particular games or anything at a whole, uh, it's still, you know, more, way more losses than wins here. Well, 
Uh, I can remember heading into that road trip, uh, Nathan say, uh, we quite often have little predictions between us and Nathan mentioned, you know, what are we going to do on this road trip? What's going to be our record? Oh, come on. I have to. All right. Yeah, you're going to embarrass Nathan yeah. though? No, no, no. no if, anything, oh, fine. if anything, I was the bad one because I, I I predicted and I wasn't trying to be negative. I, I actually predicted an 0 and 5. I didn't want to because, you know, we just weren't looking good at the moment we took off. And I know how hard that swing is. It's, it's brutal. And the two winnable games in your head going in were the Ottawa and the Habs game. And um, we do own the Habs this year, by the way. So we stole both of those games home and away. Yeah. So that's something to put in our pocket. Backing up to the other games, obviously the ones we won are good. You know, the Nashville game was good. That was a, a 32 celebration for the fans too. That was kind of cool. Yes, the all day, right. the all all day event thing going on and the the perks for anybody that showed up to certain events and you know the all the politicians got involved and all the brass got involved and you know they they topped it off with a win and it just looked really good and had everybody talking i wish i was at the game i wasn't i, I was at um, that game yeah that was that was a fun time it really brought right. up a lot of spirit for the fans other than that you know it was just kind of a typical little losing trend they went through there for those seven games or so, like you said, but um, we're kind of used to that. Uh, everything's kind of shifted now, it seems. But uh, Nathan, what, what what do you got on those games? It was great that they won that game, you know, for the fans uh, on that uh, 32 fan day. They did all kinds of stuff uh, around town. They were uh, given pucks away, masks away, posters all kinds of cool stuff so it was really cool to kind of have fan engagement there that was a good win you know I was kind of hoping we were gonna do maybe three out of five I was being really optimistic that's kind of a shot in the dark I know that some of the teams that we had faced like Toronto you know they they came into our house and completely just annihilated us and and that's okay I mean it happens but all of these losses were losses where they actually did look good. They Everybody was doing their job. They were trying. There were a couple of things that sucked, but they weren't blowouts. They weren't embarrassing. They, that, that's the best way I can describe it. They weren't embarrassing losses. They, they fought. They did what they had to do. Um, some of these teams, damn it, they should have beat them. You know, and we've talked about this a million times, and we will again. They beat the bad or the good teams and they lose against some of the worst teams in the NHL. Looking at the schedule, I thought, well, yeah, maybe we've got something that we can build off of here. And that didn't happen, but we closed it out with a win in Montreal. For me, that, that was better than nothing, man. Better than nothing. Well, now, now I think they've got, you know, the Arizona overtook. So now I think they have the second worst record in the NHL now, just yeah. a little bit. And the uh, goal difference was getting closer too. So that's, yeah, yeah that's kind of bad. Oh, but I might want to, I want to add, um, I was at last night's game against Tampa and uh, I was down at warmups watching Tampa. I usually go down and watch the other clubs a lot of times, a little scouting. And I was standing there in amazement of like seeing all the name bars on the back of those jerseys going, wow, man, just look at all these studs and stars on this team. It's crazy. And then, so watching the game last night, you know, it was four to one. We played with him first period pretty well. Um, kind of nice to see Gord get that call against his old team. Yeah, it was. And we scored first. That's rare. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> that first period was great. Second started to break down. I, I saw some stuff and I was like, oh, my God. Then I started seeing the matchups. And, and then I started seeing the coaching matchups and the coaching skills and the player skills. And, you know, even though it was really only four to one, Watching that team was the best team I've seen play in climate pledge against us yet, even though we've been in other games, bigger blowouts, Pittsburgh, uh, Toronto, uh, that Colorado game was pretty ugly till we came back kind of late. Um, just the skill on display to me was like, all right, these, this almost looks like NHL versus AHL right here. And leading to that about being only four to one, I will say grew was getting hammered for the first half of the season easily by everybody the critics including me everybody but he's been okay he's been pretty good lately you know all these battles even you know losses that look bad he's been pretty good he's, yeah, he's, he's lost some games that was a very high shot count 
yeah I, he's just looked a lot better you know he is definitely better than the start of the year so that that's a plus but yeah just that, that tampa team and john cooper knows how to coach a club man yeah they're like an all-star team almost huh that's just crazy to watch them i i was just amazed how much they look around knowing where everybody's going to be not just certain line combinations all four lines know where everybody's going to be they're fast they're big and they're all looking up the whole time they're hardly ever looking down that's amazing. I agree. I I noticed the same, you know, few things there. When you talk about, you know, name bars, like when uh, Chris and I, uh, actually, you were there too at the Boston game. Yep. When we went up to the pregame and saw them warm up and everything, and I'm looking at all these jerseys, and I'm like, my God, there's some of the best in the world in this building tonight. You know, yeah. it hits different sometimes. Well, I mean, it's we're we're down here now in another you know month and a half, give or take, um, of games. Can't believe it's wow, this 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 season's you know flown. You know, it's only going to be a handful, of small handful of more games I'm going to be able to go to because of my schedule. But uh, I mean, it's been so much fun. But uh, so, but uh, you know, I'm not going to just stop paying attention to NHL hockey. I mean, I look at you know, to me, that's like the the March Madness is you know NHL playoffs so i mean there's still going to be a lot of hockey you know to, to, to watch maybe maybe watching some of our we'll get to a second some of our former crack on some other teams but i mean that pacific division that turned out really interesting who, who who's who's going to move on from that right so you know we had our summer well our early season predictions which were kind of what everybody was predicting you know up and down all the pundits we put them out there and then about first third of the season, we saw what was going on and we were kind of surprised and shocked of the movement that was going on at that point. Well, here we are at this point and it's still kind of mind boggling what's going on in this Pacific division. You know, Calgary, I had them at the mystery team. I had them in like position three and they've been holding tops all season long. You know, they've got a five point buffer, uh, on LA and guys like Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, uh, Mangiapane are just, just totally bringing it every night. They've got a strong decor. Markstrom standing on his head on a regular basis. Behind him is LA, which was the big surprise. Everybody had them in the bottom for the most part, you know, the bottom two or three, right? And they've just been holding strong. I think they're the biggest surprise in the division, but their, uh, their goalie tandem has stepped up too. The Jonathan Quick, He's been on the down for the last three years or so. And he's actually, he's number two goalie, but he's saving him right now. Edmonton hanging out at three has been kind of Jekyll and Hyde all year. God, they have been you on know. a hell of a roller coaster on as we record this on a four game win streak after, you know. Yeah. We're but it's like, for a while. yeah, it's just total up and down for them all year, you know, and kind of some inner turmoil. And then the, when they brought Kane back, that kind of like, what's going to happen then, you know, and it's actually worked out better for him, which is kind of surprising. Uh, then Vegas, of course, has just been hammered with injuries more than any club in the NHL for the most part, and pretty much big star injuries too. And then you've got the Eichel thing going on, which is turning out to be a little bad karma right now for them in the wind department. Yeah, they're in a so big they're losing streak. Um, as we record, there's a big losing streak for them. Lost flash. Yeah, five. they're like they're like three points out of a bubble right now. And every time I see that, I think of Nathan. He loves them Vegas boys, right? Nathan still. Actually, I'll be there on Saturday to see oh, them right. face off against the Kings. That's right. As a VIP guest at the Hyde Lounge, Tommy, if everybody's been listening yeah. to the earlier episodes, invited us down and and uh, he's going to put us on the couch up there in the suite and we're going to watch the two teams kill each other. Right on. Nice. I'll be there with my Kraken hat. Are you golfing too? We're golfing... Uh, all four days, actually. Oh, there you go. Holy, so, yeah, plenty of fun. Yeah, ho hockey and uh, a lot of and golf. golf and beer and you know, no gambling though, no gambling. Uh, okay. I might put a couple of bets on a couple of hockey games at the MGM, but we'll see. You know, we were if you guys remember too, in the beginning of the season, I said Edmonton's going to be the team to watch, but I didn't know that as the roller coaster that you just mentioned. It was going to be such. I didn't think it was going to be, you know, third, second, first, fifth. I yeah. didn't, you know, and that is just a ride I do not wish to take. Yeah, no kidding. 
And then Vancouver is kind of where we and I had them, although I think they're playing a little better than I expected. Um, you know, they've been good. Demko has been fantastic for them. Um, JT Miller's been killer. Uh, and then Anaheim's falling from the early season stuff, which. But more competitive than we thought. I thought they yes. might be a seller team. No, no doubt. And then San Jose is hanging out where they're at. And of course we're in the basement and I didn't have us there. I had us probably right with van. I had this right with van. So, you know, said, but a lot of the pundits were saying, well, the poor, I mean, tons of pundits were saying this. So it's not just us are thinking the Pacific division was going to be so I, weak. And, yeah, no. And, and so that's what gets me all worked up when I start hearing people saying like all of a sudden they've turned the page, like, Hey, it's an expansion team. What did you expect? You know what I expect? I don't expect you to be saying that. Because <laughs> I'm serious, because uh, yeah. nobody nobody was heading into this, not no. like that. So it's and most of those people that say that, by the way, are not local fans. They're hockey fans elsewhere. They just happen to pick up on stuff, and they're the ones that didn't like the draft to begin with and picked it apart. You know, those are the ones that wanted price and net with a stupid salary and a stupid bonus and an injury and all that other stuff. They wanted Tarasenko on the club, who had yeah. two surgeries, was hurt. Who's going to challenge on that? Uh, they wanted Van Riemsdyk. I could have taken that. That might have been a good gamble. Who knows? But these are the people that said that. And, you know, whatever. Get out of here. My yeah. thing is, I would have thought they would have won about eight or nine more games than they have. I would, you Easily. know, I don't know if I would, they, that wouldn't have put them quite where Vancouver is, but it probably would, it would put them around where, you know, Anaheim or so San Jose, San Jose is or something like that. that that's where I thought they'd be. I agree. It, it wouldn't have us at the bottom number 31 overall. How's our whatever we're at or bottom of the Pacific? It hurts. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe there's some things that it hurt a little less here because, uh, well, I don't know, in the long run, I, maybe it hurts for now for some people who are fans of these guys. Of course, I mean, the big news recently has been the, the Kelly Yonkrock trade, which we kind of figured, I mean, we brought that up a lot of people just because of his contract situation and his uh, attractiveness here kind of in the last half of the season, you know, not shocking that he was the first to go. Uh, uh, he went to the Calgary Flames in exchange for a 2022 second round pick, a 2023 third round pick and a 2024 seventh round pick. Um, so, uh, Ron Francis, the GM, you know, grabbing up all these, uh, draft picks. It's interesting, you know, for next season, the team's got, you know, 10 draft picks for 2023 so far, and five of those picks are in the first three rounds. So, uh, obviously building up for a lot of youth and we may have some more of those. We'll see what happens. Uh, Mark Giordano, uh, I guess it's going to be former captain of, uh, Seattle Kraken, uh, you know, didn't didn't play in the last. He was a scratch, and everybody's waiting. I hear you know the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, maybe some other teams are all uh, in some discussion uh, about a trade for uh, for Mark, and maybe there's some others. Yarncroc, I thought the return was good. Two, three, seven, seven's probably a minor league situation floater, um, which is fine. But I think that's his stock was up there, and I think that's what they pulled out of him. You know. Uh, Geo, by the way, party for him last night at Climate Pledge for the you know thousand game. That was pretty cool. You know, I've seen those on TV, what have you. I've never been to one, uh, and I wasn't sure how they were going to handle this because the rumors were already flying. Right, we already knew by the time he was going to do it, he was pretty much gone. So I thought, well, this is kind of awkward. But man, they they just the production of it was really nice. Whoever whoever laid that out, choreographed the whole thing, did a nice job. And that that whole uh, narration by his dad taped, you know, was yeah. pretty moving. Yeah. It was really nice. Um, I just thought it was first class, and it wasn't short either. It was it was longer than I thought it would have been. And he genuinely looked happy, and I was happy for him. And like I've said a thousand times to people, that of all the people, players, anybody associated with this team, I have felt sorry for him from the very first start of the losing patterns, because. You know, he's the captain. He's had to deal with this stuff and he's gotten a bad rap. And there's been a lot of bad rumors out there on social media that are created. There's nothing that's really ever been set out in the open about, you know, where he's at or anything else other than just recently with the, the GM talks and so on. He's a good dude. 
and he's going to go out and hopefully he gets picked up by somebody. And frankly, hopefully he gets picked up by somebody and they win. Yeah. So get that man to the Stanley cup. Uh, Seriously. I mean, he just, yeah. I mean, we've seen that in the past with guys like Ray Bork and things. And um, he's just a good dude. And I know they love him up in Calgary. I know a lot of people up in Calgary that were, were just near and dear to him. And when he came down here, they were all bummed and, you know, I'm sitting there saying, well, we'll take care of him for eight months. <laughs> I just hope he does well. With that uh, Yarn Kroc uh, trade, you know, I th- I think that that was a good move. I mean, I think the future of the team is more on the youth. We have veterans and some are doing well, some are not. That's, that is what it is. I'm excited for next season. I This season is what it is. This season is going to play out the rest of the way it's going to play out. I am already really stoked to see what moves are going to be made and where we're going to put ourselves next year. I'm particularly excited to see how the rest of the league is going to model their game. You know, kind of like when you go into uh, like when the Kraken go and they say, okay, well, this team plays this way. So we need to do this. Is there going to be something that, we can develop that other teams are going to say, okay, they have this strong suit. They have this strong suit. Is that going to be developed around the youth? Who knows? What do you think, Jim? Are you coming back to me? Yeah. (laughs) Whoever, Jim, Chris. All right. I'll make it quick. Uh, I guess I've kind of thought what you just said, but I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think anything radical is going to happen in, in a year's time. So maybe for me, you know, if this is their route or whatever, I I don't necessarily think this is a route. I think they've been forced to take this route because it kind of backfired on their plans. I know they always want youth, but ultimately you want the perfect mix is what you want, right? Sure. Yeah. So I think they kind of failed a bit. You know, we've talked about how great everything was leading up for three years with everything they did it was just perfect. And then just kind of a stinker season. So it's kind of a bummer, but maybe two years, maybe even three years out for me thinking to look ahead. I don't know. Fair enough. You know, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I, just because I, I don't I don't think it can be too radical. And you know what? There's one big key factor there. And you know what that is with me, but I'm not going to get going on that tonight. <laughs> uh, we don't want to get you going out. about that guy behind the bench. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, this is a good segue, guys. Uh, next thing for our messages from the deep. Uh, we've got one that's speaking of future. Uh, Wayne Teeger writes, could someone summarize what's going on with this year's salary cap and how it affects next year's salary cap and the ability to acquire new players? Well, so this year we were operating with about a seven and a half million buffer throughout the year. You know, we, we left the summer expansion draft. I think we had 50 something on the table, 53 or something. And we had plenty of space, maybe more than that. Um, and then we did the whole free agency stuff that totaled up and brought us within that seven and a half to eight million dollar range. But by the time we lose those bottom salaries, a lot of those single year salary that we signed, most of them three and four liners and your farm system, you're going to net up for next season, roughly about 23 million in the pocket to toy with. And I don't know if the geos factored in on that yet. So it's going to be kind of a repeat of what happened last year you're going to be trying to pick up some some fas and some who knows there might be another trade that goes on here i don't i you would know, almost I mean, hope it, so i guess it sort of depends on you know you know we're talking about oh he's going for youth and you know it's that whole you know francis used that whole uh, way of doing it when he was running the carolina hurricanes he had like 20 right. 27 of the 33 players uh selected under his watch we're starting in the 2021-22 season. So uh, right. well, he didn't stay there, but I mean, he did plant a lot of seeds, but you know, it could be argued. I wholeheartedly agree with you about balance. And it's not all about having all these young kids. Cause I mean, that's what Edmonton Oilers were doing. That. Yes. That, that yes, took them thank forever you. to turn their franchise around. They were terrible or, or mediocre at best for, you know, how many seasons, yeah. like eight, eight seasons or something. Yeah. And um it's nice that they got some money in the bank here to, you know, to get some veteran studs here. I'm hoping that's part of the plan. Yeah, I agree. It's just, how do you allocate those funds? Do you know, are the mid-range salary guys or do you go for one top billing and, you know, sprinkle some down? So it's a real, I mean, 
look, being a GM in uh, major sports is one of the most difficult things to, to do to work because you're always looking two, three, four years out constantly. So um, you're, you're right. Uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch the new people in the, in the region get familiar with salary caps and, and movement and unrestricted free agents and restricted free agents and all that language is so confusing at first, but then they realize, wow, man, I guess I'm going to have to come to the realization that like 50% of my roster might not be here next year. You know what I mean? So here's my take on the whole thing. So when you say, you know, do they maybe dump their entire wad on one guy? Okay. You do that. And then he gets hurt. And now your money is sitting on the bench and you're in the same position you were yesterday. In my opinion, if you can sprinkle, as you said, that around maybe two, three guys that have maybe been in the league, you know, two years, three years max, uh, maybe even a guy that's been bouncing around just trying to find himself and he comes to Seattle and says, you know what, this is it. This is home. This is where I'm going to perform. That's where I'd really like to see it. Uh, I, don't I know. agree. I was yeah. just giving it a sample there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, it's well, funny. They get, I saw somebody... they get a lot of flexibility next year. So where, yeah. where they go with it, you know, who knows? Ron, only Ron knows. And, and it all probably depends on what he gets offered. I mean, are there going to be more trades? You know, the, the deadlines in just a handful of days. So interesting. We've only seen, two, well, we haven't even seen, two, we're, we're at this recording. I mean, maybe by the time it comes out, it will, uh, uh, Gio been signed to a new, new team, but uh, quick prediction. Lot, where do you, you know? think he's going? Where, where do you think he's going? We, take a guess. Don't just give me one team. One team? Yeah. Is this a trick question? No, it's not. No, no. Pre- prediction. Anaheim. Whoa, that's off the chart. Oh, okay. Holy smokes. Nathan might right. be getting interviewed by somebody on the outside. If he get one. if he get if he gets that's that awesome. right, I'll be like, oh my god, the Schwami. Oh. Uh, they're going to nobody him, they're seen that keep, one. I don't think they're going to keep him good. in the division. They well, need that's him. Good. They need him. They need him almost more than we do. Solid. I didn't see that one. Um, no, you did not. I'm going to say I'm really torn. So you know, uh, before we record, you know, I was I was asking you, Jim, earlier because there was a little talk about the Bruins, and I was like, hmm. I'm thinking, I mean, obviously it would be nice for him to go home to Toronto, but I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. I could be right. I, I, I'm, I'm leaning toward the Rangers. I think New York has a little room for him there. And they're, you know, obviously having a solid year, but they could use a little more help. I think that he, you know, one of the keys to that. Yeah. Okay. Well, those are the two teams for me, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take Toronto mainly because it is his hometown. Um, his family lives there. You know, why not wrap it up your last couple, whatever, right? And try to win one and just hang out in your hometown. Yeah, basically. but why? Oh, I hear that, but that's a why would Toronto want them? They've got they're all they're they've been faltering big time defensively in the last third of the season, they're, and their goaltending's been paying the price as well. Yeah, so I, guess I didn't know that much, but okay, all right. Well, maybe. I mean, no, they're talking, they're, they're talking, they've been talking about it, you know, a lot of the yeah, radio play. So, I don't know, I just think it is, but you're right, New York's another close second. But I sit there and think, why New York? Geez, they look at the goals against average on that club, I believe it's pretty good. And Shristikin can stop anybody, oh, have a lot D of anyway. Goalies. Yeah, he's he's been top one of the top goalies by far. God, amazing, to for me, yep. Okay, we'll see what happens. All right, Wayne Tiger, thanks much for the uh, the question. So, so guys, as, as you know, I was on a weekend trek recently to the nation's capital. First time I'd been there in like over twenty years. Uh, and just an opportunity fell in my lap, and I thought I'd go for it. I wanted to visit friends, CDC. A lot's changed over those twenty years, and it was it was a really great time. But a main motivator was getting hooked up with tickets to see the Kraken Capitals game. Uh, I got to I got to see Mark Giordano's 1,000th game in person, which was a, a huge thrill. And uh, also was a thrill and a nice surprise. Was, you know, I was watching the, you know, pregame skate, and I'm seeing all these people with these geo signs, and I get talking with a couple of them. And it turns out it was Mark Giordano's family or some of his family uh, during their, uh, the pregame skate at the, at the edge there. And uh, stepmom and sister, I chatted with quite a while. They were really super nice. Um, and uh, it's, uh, besides that, it's just always great 
fun to see a game in another arena. I, I always get a kick out of that. Uh, I'd never been to that that arena before, so I, I it was the uh, Capital One Arena, and uh, really good time. There, there were more. It was interesting. There were more Kraken fans there than I expected. I mean, not tons. I mean, not like what we saw with, you know, Bruins and Blackhawks games at, at Seattle, but um, I, I venture to guess maybe a couple hundred. There, there was, there was, I don't know whether it was people who traveled or there just a lot of Seattle expats who were in the area, but uh, it was nice to see that. I, was, I wasn't the only one. Uh, a friend of mine recently introduced me to a guy named Mike Vogel. Mike's the senior editor and media content strategist for the Washington Capitals. It's a long title there, but essentially, from my understanding, he oversees and writes a lot of the content uh, one could see on the Capitals website, on their program books, and stuff like that. He's a really great guy who's, who's worked in the NHL for a long, a lot of years. Uh, uh, maybe he's getting close to 20, I think. Uh, he, you know, he has some great stories an incredible insight into the Capitals, but also the league in general. So I thought it would be great to talk to him what, what he thinks and what, what the, what the hubbub is uh, about the crack. And so he was, Mike was kind enough to let me uh, watch the team at the practice facility in Arlington, Virginia, and hooked me up with tickets. And uh, we had a really nice conversation, some of which we'll share with you right here. Now, is your longtime hockey knowledge mainly as a watcher, or did you ever play yourself? I played uh, a, a little bit growing up, uh, mostly just street, and my dad would freeze our backyard, so we would have maybe just a few weeks depending on where, you know, when you're, when you're living in Boston, it would it, you might get 30 or 40 days worth of ice. So I was in Boston probably from like 67 to 71, and then Chicago from 71 until the early 90s when I moved out here. So yeah, in Chicago, we, we probably got three weeks max out of the, the rinks, you know, then it would, they would yeah. start to melt. It would be yeah. gone. But, but you had the taste of what yeah, the, what's yeah. like to play the yeah, game. Yeah, and you know, and I mean, every year for Christmas, you wanted uh, sticks and pads and stuff. You wanted hockey yeah. equipment. That was the stuff, you know. Um, you wanted the tabletop game. We'd sit around and play those, you know, the okay. rod hockey uh, all the time. So your young, your childhood was a good fit for this you game. You know, buying hockey cards and watching the yeah. Bruins on TV and then later the Blackhawks on TV. So, yeah, it was. I mean, it was all sports with us. I mean, we, we played... From the time we woke up until dinner time or until it was dark, you know, whether it was football, baseball, or hockey, we were out running around doing one of those things pretty much all day. You know, even even if it was the middle of July, you, you might start the day playing baseball and somebody might say, hey, well, let's play some street hockey. You know, it wouldn't matter that it wasn't hockey season. We would still say, yeah, sure, let's, let's do that. We just pull the nets out of the garage and get some sticks and start playing. So... Obviously, it's a great thrill then, you know, for you being such a fan, getting to work around this, something you already yeah. loved. Um, and over 20 years working with the Capitals, you've gotten to connect with tons of players. Yeah. Any that stick up in, in your mind over the years uh, that really uh, gave you a great impression, somebody that particularly liked or thought was, you know, great to deal with yeah i would say that the guy that comes to the front of my mind when you ask that question has got to be um brayden holpe who's with the dallas stars now but you know he was a guy who read books um was way into music so we would um share musical discoveries uh latest reads that kind of you know he liked to read on the plane a lot of guys sleep a lot of guys play cards a lot of guys watch video games he's one of the few guys that would bring a book on a road trip and he would, you know, be reading it. And so we would we would compare notes on, on a lot of that stuff. And just a, a really good down-to-earth guy. He, you know, he kept an acoustic guitar uh, downstairs and he would play, just sit around, unwind after practice and play a little bit. Had great taste in music. His mom was in a band when he was growing up. So he he was on the road with her. You know, he had memories of being on the road with his mom singing in a band and stuff. Uh, as a little kid, so, you know, from a musical family, uh, uh, farm family, his dad played the game, his parents were, you know, really fun and engaging people to talk to, um, he and his wife were, you know, really active in the community, but there's been, over the course of the years, the number of bad seeds you run into in this game, you could count them on one hand, there's not too many of them, and, and they, they typically don't last long. You know, you can tell when a guy doesn't really fit, and, and I, I think that's true for not just here, but everywhere else. 
move them out pretty do, quick. So do you I think mean, the hockey players, just generally speaking, compared to the other sports, are more down to earth? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I spent a couple of years covering baseball as well, and, and I, I absolutely. I, I don't know why that is, but but I do think that that they are. Uh, more approachable, um, sympathetic. I think they understand. They understand the gig. You know, they understand that sometimes you're going to have to write things that aren't, you know, necessarily favorable to them. But if you just, you know, if you don't run and hide, you know, from that, if you're in the room, you're, you're accountable. They they can see you. You can you can have a conversation about it. I think they're, for, for my money, they, they've been the, the best athletes uh, to deal with, for sure. That's great. Well, you've had a, gotten to cover a, a team that's been very competitive for years now, uh, if not beyond competitive, yeah. you know, being champions and all. Um, and that, that makes it fun. But, uh, you know, you got a good team this year that you're covering. Uh, what, what do you see, like, their strengths and weaknesses right now? What, what are the crack and other teams in for? I think the, uh, the the main weakness has been just health. They, um, they, they're up over 200 man games lost to injury, which I think it's the cycle, right? Because they had five, six years where they were under 100 games routinely. They, they typically, I mean, I think they went three, four years there, five years maybe even, where they only used two goalies, and that's that's pretty rare in, in our game. And um, you know, there were there were a lot of times where they had some pretty decent prospects um, down in the AHL. And, couldn't get them up because there there was no organic openings to, to bring them into. The team was so good and so healthy. Um, that that's been a main problem this year. They have not had a, one single game. We played fifty six so far, and they haven't had a single game where they've had every player available. And they won't um, because Carl Hagman's out for for probably the season. So um, that what I, I would say is their weakness. Their strength is is probably the, the fact that the core has been here since the uh, uh, and and together since the Stanley Cup season of, of twenty eighteen. Um, so you've got the the top line of Ovechkin, Kuznetsov, and Wilson, and then two thirds of the second line with uh, with Backstrom and Oshie, and then Lars Eller in the middle of the third line. Um, you still got half of your forward group remaining from from the cup. Um, and, and a couple of defensemen as well in, in Orloff and Carlson. So they've still got a core there that, that knows what it's like to win. Um, and then they've imported a couple of guys, too, that have won elsewhere, Justin Schultz um, in Pittsburgh and Carl Hagelin before he was injured. So they understand the difference between playoff hockey and regular season hockey. And I think uh, certainly the personnel of the power play, the power play has not been um, as dominant this year, but that personnel is still intact. And now, for the first time, the last month or so, they've had that that group healthy, and they're starting to um, catch a little bit of fire. They're fifth in the league uh, on the power play in the last, I think, since uh, late January. So the fact that those guys are healthy and starting to rekindle that chemistry that they had is is something that that should um, bode well for them. And, and, you know, I think goaltending is, is certainly an Achilles heel or, or certainly a, an area where maybe not an Achilles heel, but an area where I think that there's a little bit of unknown and there's been a lack of consistency for sure over the last couple of seasons, because it's, it's a couple of younger guys. I think both of them are still trying to establish themselves and find a level of consistency that is comfortable for them and that the team can, can live with. Now on any given day, Poor playing team can beat a great team yeah. playing team in an NHL regular season game, and even the playoffs come to think of it. But uh, but mostly we see it in regular season. And, and the Seattle Kraken, who you know, as we're recording this, is before the Kraken take on uh, the Capitals uh, here in DC. Um, Kraken won that game, although my memory serves me correctly, was uh, after you know Capitals had a kind of a long road trip, mm-hmm. um, and you know weeks have gone by. Uh, I'm curious what your overall impression is of the Seattle Kraken, and also what you sense the rest of the NHL thinks of the team. Obviously, it's their first year, and there are a mix of opinions on how that team's done. I, I love how they've hired, how they've staffed their team. Um, I love the, the, the diversity um, in the front office and from top to bottom in the organization. Loved the experience of going to Seattle for the first time in my life and seeing the rink and the town, the city and everything. Uh, I thought everything was fantastic. The, the game presentation, the, 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 the game experience, all of it, I couldn't say enough. I can't wait to go back. I can't wait to spend more time there um i think they they probably suffered a little bit from 
um, what went on with Vegas uh, a few years before. Um, that was a unique situation, and certainly the Vegas Golden Knights were very adept at exploiting the rest of the league and sort of shaking shaking some teams down to not take certain players. And I think um, I think those guys were were still stung enough by that that they made sure it didn't happen again. So I think. The Kraken was a little bit uh, crippled in what they were able to do in terms of the expansion draft and ex- in terms of coming out of the gates with a team that was as good as the one that Vegas was able to to cobble together. So, but I do um, I do think that they've got some some good pieces there. You know, and I happen to know a, a handful of of people who work for the Kraken who, who whom I've worked with over the years, and they're all really truly fantastic humans and 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 really good at what they do too so i i definitely think that they've they've done a great job of hiring and staffing and and you know that that's an underrated thing i think when when there's 32 teams in the league now and when you are looking for your free agent and you're starting to think where do i want to go next um some of those off ice things i'm you know thinking of guys who have signed contract extensions here they say, I, I wanted to stay here because I, I love the, the people off the ice too, the training staff, the equipment staff, the guys that I have to work with every day. It's sure, yeah, the culture in the room is good. I like, I like being here and all that. Yeah, the whole environment and the whole culture. Yeah. How does it how does it fit with for those players? It does seem that a crack in, you know, obviously they're going to say, you know, positive things in front of a microphone, but it does seem very sincere that a lot of the players really want to resign, really want to stay there. Obviously, after the first year, there's going to be a bunch of guys we're not going to see sure. after next year. There's going to be trades, yep. cuts, uh, they're bringing some people in. Francis actually saved a lot of money, so it seems like maybe not to a large extent. We don't know what it to extent, but he's probably going to sign some guys because he's got some money in the bank. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what moves are happening. I, I feel... Uh, many people in Seattle, I appreciate everything you said because I, I do feel like everybody's going to be patient here. And I think most people, people who in Seattle who know the game, weren't expecting a Vegas repeat. Yeah. But there was an expectation that they might be one of those playoff bubble teams. Like they'd be, yeah. like they would have won. Like to me, I would have thought they'd win about, they would have won about seven, eight more games than they have right now. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that either. You know, I was I was scrolling through their schedule the other day, and I was a little stunned to see that they they still haven't had a three game winning streak. They've had a couple of two, couple of times where they put two games together. But I, I do think that you know they're on the right track, and I think that Dave Haxall's a good coach. I think that the guys that I've talked to that have played for him enjoyed playing for him and and say good things about him. Um, you know, there's a lot of coaches out there that. You don't hear you don't hear good things about from from the, their players. So I I think that you know that just kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. That you know that's a that's a good um, a good guy to have as as a first year uh, first year expansion coach. I would think. Great. One last question I want to ask you, just just in light, and I don't ask this to, to be judgmental on it. I'm looking for like kind of a bigger picture thing. When a, when a player is going through controversy, so obviously we're dealing with this Ukraine Russia thing. Yep. And we have the most famous and you know future Hall of Famer Russian skater here, Alexander Ovechkin. And it crossed my mind just how much does that sort of stuff, whether whether it's sort of a political thing in this case, uh, you know, obviously all the Russian players are getting some static, I guess I'd call it. Uh, but also because you worked in baseball and you know in the steroid era, and when yeah. you know teams are going through static with that, any sort of like team, and then we see it in the NFL all the time. How much is that taxing on a team or as somebody who works in the media department, you know, uh, are you having to deal with that or do the player, at least in hockey, is the players and, you know, their publicist and agent kind of dealing with that or does that, do, does the team get dragged into that sort of thing? I mean, I, I think you're aware of it for sure. You, you can see it. I think social media makes you aware of it, more aware of it than you would have been, say, 20 years ago, you know, when 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 those sort of things happen. Yeah, it, it, it definitely uh, bleeds in. I, I would say... As far as the players are concerned, it, it, it varies. Some guys don't pay any attention. Some guys don't have social media accounts, don't don't do any have nothing to do with it. some guys have their can't get their noses out of it, right? So that they're, they're, the spectrum is, is wide and you know, there's a lot of guys who, who would advise younger players, look, 
just do your job. Just go out and play. Don't pay any attention to, to what's written about you. Don't don't stay off social media because I feel like every team in the league has a whipping boy on social media, a guy that the fans just want to drive to the airport. And um, That's true. Uh, typically it's a defenseman, but not not always. And then as soon as that guy is driven to the airport, there's a new there's a new whipping boy who emerges. It's it's just something that I've noticed. Um, over the years, uh, so I, I think that you know typically it, it's a it's a this too shall pass sort of thing um, that you know you just kind of, it, it's a wave and you got to ride it for a while and eventually things settle back um, to normal. But uh, yeah, it's I, I I think it's definitely you know, we're probably a little too early in this one to to see how how and and, and what the repercussions or the reach of it are going to be um but yeah it's it's definitely something you're aware of 100 percent. mike thanks so much My appreciate pleasure, this one absolutely we Good look time. forward to seeing you in seattle soon can't wait to be back all right cheers to mike vogel for that interview uh super fun time much appreciated Kraken beat, beat the caps the first time you know and they gave well part of the game they gave them a good game so uh you know uh it's it's, it was a thrill, you know, see, seeing seeing the, that other team, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Jim, about watching Tampa, you know, or Nathan watching Bruins and seeing the names on those jerseys and all. And uh, I had I had that. Caps fans are, are really great. There's really a lot of uh, a lot of enthusiasm there, and they were really cool. They didn't throw any stuff at me. They were very nice, actually. <laughs> so, what's the hate about a Kraken fan, right? That's it's good. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we had that going for us. So there you go. All right, we're bringing Luke Chelios in here. Lou, last time the three of us were together, we were talking about the U.S. Olympic team and how Seattle Kraken's number one draft pick, Matty Beniers, was looking throughout that tournament. Very well looking, <laughs> for that fact. Uh, but that's obviously well past us. Matty went, went back to his Michigan Wolverines college hockey team, of course, where, man, he leads the Wolverines this year 40 points. And he has, and his team, you know, uh, recently beat Notre Dame to uh, earn a berth in the Big Ten finals. They're taking on Minnesota this year. So it's actually one and two seed, if I remember correctly. Uh, game scheduled a few days after our recording here. Man, I, you know, Luke, Matt, Matty keeps showing us why he deserved to be in a number one pick. And I can't wait to see him on this team. I've said it a million times. This guy is like chocolate ice cream, everybody's favorite. I mean, Every time we talk about Matty Beneers, it's at World Juniors, it's at college hockey, it's at the Olympics, and now it's in the Big Ten playoffs. Last Saturday, I watched it. Matty Beneers had a goal and an assist. The Wolverines won the game 2-1, to one, and, and the guy's just ready for the NHL. He's got 40 points in 33 games in the college hockey. And, you know, if, if you're a point-of-game scorer in college hockey, that translates into the NHL, so guy just is he's incredible he's performed at every level i made a list he's played under 18 ushl hockey he's played at the world juniors he's played college hockey he's played world championships at 18 years old for the u.s olympic team with colin blackwell and those guys that that went for the team usa last year when the, when the covid was on and michigan didn't have a chance at the title because their team was out with covid but and now he goes to, uh, back from the Olympics right into the Big Ten playoffs, and uh, he's now in the final next Saturday. So if uh, if you want to watch some great college hockey, Saturday night, Big Ten Network, Michigan at Minnesota for the Big Ten final. College hockey is great. I always felt it's really underrated. I mean, I felt that way for many years. And now, we obviously, over the years, we've seen more NHL players come from college hockey they don't have to you know, doesn't have to be from the juniors anymore i'm i'm psyched as as you know uh, as these guys know i'm I, I spend a lot of time in massachusetts umass lowell and umass hockey east finals that's going to be a great game uh you know here in lowell it's, it's so big and uh it's just such a pure game jim do you ever get a chance to watch any college games i know we're we're, we're in we're drowning in nhl team stuff but do you ever get a chance I do. I, I go through phases, though. I, I usually start tuning in around tournament time. Um, but I, you know, as far as physically watching, but I do listen, uh, you know, on the radio here and there and, and NHL networks uh, coverage stuff. 
I'm a huge fan of uh, NCAA hockey. I was really a big fan in the early nineties, uh, going back to the, the Commonwealth line with Tony Amonti and um, Joe Sacco and, and those guys back in the day when I was really following a lot of it, you know, BC had a good program going Harvard, everybody. I'm a big fan of it. It's a totally different game from junior juniors, uh, a little more overall, you know, physical throughout the game, uh, college has its moments college can get chippier there's no fighting so there's a little more underneath chippy play full cages makes a difference over plastic shield a lot of people don't know that but it does so in the style of play um i love it though it's good hockey i'm looking forward to the finals or the the regionals in there tony amante the last hockey stick that i used was an easton tony amante (laughs) got it in storage up in canada so great name to drop there well i i actually it was 89, 90 when I started paying attention again. I was actually collecting cards again as an adult. I totally got into the whole scene. I actually ordered a Tony Amonti jersey. I may have mentioned that before uh, through the old hockey news when it was just newspaper print style, much bigger pages. And, you know, back then there was no internet. You had to like order oh. up, put it, put it in the envelope. And uh, I got it from, uh, I can't remember who, but it's fully on, full on authentic Amonti uh, 33 i believe was his number yeah still but i, I really follow the mailman home with my hockey news once a week <laughs> they deliver that paper you know like 32 or 48 pages of hockey yeah. oh i loved it that's how you got your information on the college guys and even the juniors top score yeah, yeah and minor leagues too i mean i remember all the ahl stuff i'm gonna go way way back guys but you're you know we're all around the same age you know i i back in the 70s I used to, there was a, there was a little bookshop that had a really good magazine section and I, I gravitated to hockey news and all these old ones. And, and it's funny, I, I was reminded of it when you just said, Jim, about ordering things. I just remember like, you know, laying skate ads by Stan Makita and, right. you know, Bauer, you know, whoever, you know, at the time, you know, Tommy Williams or whatever. I mean, some really old guys from way back, old time hockey, but, uh, you know, the newsprint and it would just go so deep. Right, the, the the whole hockey world. There's a lot of stuff that was above my head, but looking back at it, I I miss that. I totally miss it. It's, it was actually better. I have today's copies too, uh, and it's much better the old days. But uh, we just did a full circle without even knowing it because uh, Tony Omonti's from uh, Veneer's hometown too of Hingham. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Yeah, okay. I knew he was yeah. south of us. I didn't know it was Hingham. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll have to bring Tony Amante to Seattle to watch Matty Beneers in a few weeks if he uh, ends up wearing number 10 for the Kraken at the end of the year. So that's another discussion about his contract. Um, Ron Francis recently, in an interview from KCI, said that uh, Matty Beneers is ready, probably wants to burn his first year of that entry-level contract and get into the NHL. So we may see him in the next two to four weeks. So something to watch for. What, well, I, uh, what, what, uh, I know, you know, we don't even know who's going to still be on the team, but what line would he work on? I mean, well, with the, with the current team. Well, for, I did pencil out his potential arrival times, um, depending on his, the length of their tournament runs and so on and so forth. The earliest he could arrive would be, it looks like around the 22nd against Arizona on the road. Uh, that would be three days after if they were eliminated early. Um, he could show the latest would be April 12th. So, and that's an away game in, in Calgary as well. So that would be if they did a full run. So there's a big gap there. Yes. But okay. he would probably, you know, he's, he, they would run him through massive line combinations just just to give them ice seriously because they're, they're showing him. Well, how about an Eastern line of Ryan Donato, Matty Beneers, and Colin Blackwell. Oh yeah. Right out of all over that. Right that sounds, out of the town line. <laughs> Lou, that sounds great to me, but you know uh Haskell will never do what we want. So <laughs> <laughs> we might see Jamie Alexiak on that line before we see Ryan Donato. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Poor Donato. Wow. The guy scores when he plays and then he gets sat out a few games. Yeah. Guy scores clutch goals all the times and averages seven and a half minutes a game. Yeah. And he's a fan favorite too. Yeah. Same with Blackwell. He doesn't get yeah. a lot of time, but he scores. He he just goes to that net. That yeah. shorthanded goal the other night by Colin Blackwell jamming that puck 
through Saros, one of the best goalies in the league, was one of the best goals live at the Climate Pledge Arena this year. So, gotta like those Eastern boys, right? Yeah, uh, I can't. My, I got a soft spot. I won't lie, you know. And and you're right. I I love that. I know the goal you're talking about. That was pretty. He's had a few pretty goals. I mean, he had one oh, yeah. in front of us, Jim. I forget oh, when he went called. backwards with the celebration. Remember that? Yeah. That was yeah. just hilarious. Yeah, he keep calling, man. I know there's some shuffling around and stuff maybe happening. We don't know, but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, Maddie can't come here soon enough, buddy. Uh, you know, Kraken aren't aren't going to be making the playoffs, so it's all really looking forward and um, you know, and uh, wait waiting till next year, enjoying these last few games. God, I can't believe it. here we are in mid March, and it's just a really a few more games left it's uh, at yeah. home i mean you know so it's people are talking about that number one draft pick yeah no, we got do the right done. thing shane Wright. do the right thing finish last yeah i don't want i don't want to play that game i don't believe in that <laughs> it's a tough one it's yeah. uh you know pay, people pay good money at the climate pledge you know 150 dollars, 16 bucks a beer you want to see some winning hockey and oh, i agree there's really nothing like leaving the climate pledge with a win. The fans are all talking to each other. They're high-fiving and everyone's in a good mood. So let's, let's win the home games at least. And, uh, right. Yeah. Finish up. strong. Yeah. That's uh, that, that, that'll go a long way for, to, to looking up and everything and giving the fans a little something. I, I, I agree, Luke. Um Let's look around then around the hot, you know, the, the, the league as a whole now, just um, who, you know, we, we, we were talking uh, off, off uh, recording, you know, a little bit about, you know, Vegas and they've lost four straight um, They're They were on the cusp and everything. And uh, I don't know wh- how are you guys seeing how this is all going to play out? Like, you know, the, the top teams, and the, you know, where we're seeing, you know, Boston and, Certain teams have been, you know, moving up a little bit. I mean, the East Eastern Conference seems pretty well set at this point. It just depends on seeding. West is still mixed bag. Yeah, the Colorado Avalanche made a couple moves in the last two days. They're uh, opening up some cap space, it looks like. They brought in Josh Manson for defense, but uh, Anaheim's going to pick up some of that money. So, And today they traded Tyson Jost away for uh, a European guy, Nico Sturm. So looks like they've got some cap space. So the Avs are in uh, to watch in the next week at the trade deadline to see if they can get that Claude Giroux or Marc-Andre Fleury type player into their lineup. But it's all about the cap space. So it's hard to speculate and even guess at what kind of deals will be made. So it'll be an interesting week ahead. Yeah, they got, yeah, they got you know, 89 points. I mean, they, they're handily, you know, looking at, at top seed, was going to catch them there. St. Louis, you know, Minnesota, uh, Central Leaders, Calgary, L.A., and Edmonton. Edmonton's been so back and forth, my God. They've, they've kind of got back there. And then, uh, you know, Nashville and Vegas on the wild cards. Dallas, Vancouver, even Anaheim, who were playing over their heads. They kind of came back down to earth. They've actually lost five in a row. So they've been kind of along heading down. Winnipeg moved up a little bit. All of those are in striking distance. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting race. Uh, out east, we got the Florida Panthers. Surprise of the NHL year. They're just getting better every year. It's Jonathan Huberto. He's got like 60-some assists. He's just become a superstar. Quietly out in Sunrise, Florida. It yeah, took him a little while, though. It did. I was going to say Carolina, too. Really, you know, really saw 87 points in those guys. So, I mean, I could see... Of a dog fight, but you know what? You can't count Tampa Bay out, you know. No, just with the playoff experience, um, they're not super far behind. Uh, you know, there's a few points behind Florida. They've been, they've been, you know, they've been looking solid. Uh, I well, they yeah, and they've won cups, uh, you know, and they've won regular seasons without Cooch, and here they are without Cooch for the most part on and off. So, could you imagine if Patrick Maroon wins his fourth straight Stanley Cup? He had one three years ago with St. Louis, two in a row, and he even added Corey Perry, who's been in the final the last couple of years. So can't count them out. That's nope. for sure. As always, it's going to be a great playoffs. Even if, even if our cracking art in it, it's it's always fun. I, I and everybody right now we're in March, and everybody a lot not everybody, but a lot of people are all 
nutty about March Madness and you know college basketball and nothing wrong with that but NHL hockey playoff hockey that's my 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 madness or April mad <laughs> May madness we whatever come up with something like the March badness yeah the March the May yeah March the May badness yeah playoff games get tough and angry Hey, speaking of badness, actually, that's a good segue to something we were talking about, too. You wanted to kind of, uh, it's something we touched on a number of episodes ago, but probably because it just keeps coming up is about uh, goalie pulling. This kind of going back to the crack and, and you know, they pulled a goalie they did just the other day, super early, didn't, didn't amount to much change. But there was a game the other day, we saw, you know, saw an example of where it did work. Yeah, Kraken fans, I think we're 0-15 with the goalie pulled. Oftentimes, we're trying to get two goals, but we, you got to get that that goal, and often it can happen pretty quickly. So I was watching Winnipeg and St. Louis, and this is just an example of, of success, so why you pull a goalie with two and a half minutes to go. So the puck got dumped down the ice, and uh, Bennington, the Blues goalie, plays it, and they get a couple guys on a change, and Bennington just follows those guys to the bench. They put two defensemen go off. Bennington jumps off and they put three fresh guys on. And the last guy just kind of went right into the slot as they had the puck in the boards. And he was all alone for a one-time pass. And it took them like 10 seconds to tie the game up 3-3 with the goalie pulled. And that was with two and a half minutes to go. And I think we've all seen the Kraken have like two minutes, three minutes of time we can hardly get the puck in in the other teams and we can't set anything up and off of that puck i mean we've lost what four or five games five to two we're trying to pull the goalie and uh, catch up but it can happen we've seen it in other uh, other teams pulling the goalie early so fans it's not a really terrible idea but uh, i think jim you said something about hackstall you have a comment on that he's <laughs> really <laughs> wow uh obviously our record as you indicated is not good pulling the goalie but that could be just pure luck i will tell you this and it's you know people will point at the the talent on the team i'm not buying that i'm falling more to coaching than anything else and i always will since day one on this club um but i will tell you this statistically we've got shooters on this club that frankly have bad shooting percentages mm -hmm. and um it's going up and down that roster there's only a handful that with good average to better than average percentages but there's guys with really low shooting percentages and those are guys that are taking shots on those three on threes or those short uh you know man down what have you goalie pulled situations and some of those guys are just in a rut and they got to start sinking them when we know who they are um but it, I think it's more just bad luck situation than anything else. Combination of uh, Haxel system hockey. So that's that's tough when you've got some guys like fourth liners and the Islanders scoring ten goals, and we've got like second line guys like Wenberg and even Donskoy who should be up in the top six. Talented guys. They got like two goals and like what's Wenberg has four or five goals. It's it's just not well, good. That's uh, no, that's but on this team. No, but there's guys like, you know, Wimberg and um, Callie. Callie have been kind of carrying this club for the last month or so with, you know, stepping up a little bit compared to when they earlier in the year when they were dry. Uh, but I'm talking about more guys like, uh, you know, Geeky. He's just been yeah. as much as he's a fan favorite and liked his his shooting odds are horrible. Um, he's running at about a five point two. He was running to four and a half forever. That's, you got to start sinking those, you know. Plus, he's one of the guys with the fastest shots we saw in, oh, in the skills competition. I'm like, do that in the game, dude. He's got a wicked shot coming down the right wing. We've seen it twice. Um, maybe he's just not getting open enough. You know, he's not the fastest guy in the club. Uh, he's not the most physical guy in the club. He's well-liked. He's a hell of a draw man, and he's gotten a lot better just this year alone from training within. Um, he just needs to step it up. Definitely. We need some scoring in the draft coming in from veneers and uh, we'll see who can get in that draft. This uh, next top five is pretty good. A lot of scoring out of the junior in college. So that should help us in the next couple of years going ahead. And a lot of cap space, you know, not, not that I'm expecting them to, you know, be big time buyers, but we can get some free agents in here too. Just give me one 
solid power forward by any means. <clears throat> and uh, that will help, you know? Absolutely. That's what well, I mean, when you look at it right now, our, our only guy that hangs on the paint is Jojo for the most part, or maybe some oddball uh, Sheehan, you know, Shan situation, but we don't have a guy that's six, two or greater. That's hard to push off the puck and it's got hands in front. Well, you know, when uh, when we're losing this much, it's it's okay to be critical because we're not being absolutely hard on the jersey, on the fans, on the arena. We're we're being hard on the decisions and the coaching. Yeah, but why did we let Nathan Bastion go? Like, well, waivers and the, the guys on the power play the other night for New Jersey, standing in front of the net. You know, Jack Hughes is shooting the puck at the net, and Nathan Bastion's playing the power play one for New Jersey. It's like, okay, I could have fit into the crack in top six. Okay. I, I get you on that. I, I think if we were to, I mean, he's a power forward, technically he's not much of a producer, but at the right chemistry, he can be. Uh, I think if you go back to our early shows, I wasn't that impressed with what I was seeing, um, especially in the toughness market when he got pancaked big time in that one fight. I can't remember who that was with. You remember that loot? Right. Yeah, I, get games. I do remember that. I think a lot and, of guys had a, they just didn't come in shape. And they I agree, but he, maybe he just didn't fit into Haxel's system very well or get used very well. He was still only, I mean, he was only getting six, seven minutes a game. What are you going to do, right? Yeah. So the way the way Haxel is with throwing lines around, if he had, maybe if he was around, he would be plugging in him in this, up to the second line and getting some minutes, and then we'd start seeing some numbers. But yeah, I mean, I, a lot of people say exactly what you said. True. Yeah. A power forward. And, uh, you know, there's there's some pretty big guys in the draft that have scoring talent. So, yeah, we can see somebody from the uh, from the uh, first couple drafts coming in, like uh, Ryan Winterton's big kid, third round pick. He's 19 now. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. And uh, I don't think he plays very tough, but he's the type of guy that could get hungry and uh, earn an NHL contract. You have to play the fourth line. You have to crash and bang, and then the scoring will come. So, that's right. the type of player we need in the future. Somebody like that, and maybe a little more skill level than Nathan Bastion, but uh, we're going to get better with uh, with a different mix of players and less Europeans, maybe. Folks, please remember if you haven't already done so to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Cast Kraken, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which uh, we'll probably be doing one actually soon. Oh, well, that's right. We've got we've got a, a Kraken Fancast watch party. How can I forget? We're going to be at the Angry Beaver uh, on the twenty sixth. Uh, that's a, a seven p.m. game. Who is it with, guys? It's oh, it's the L.A. Kings games, right? Yeah, one of the road games against the L.A. Kings. Uh, we will be there, so we hope you can join us. Uh, that'll be our final uh, Fancast watch party for the season. And uh, why not, you know, bring it all the way home back to the uh, Angry Beaver? So. Uh, Keep in mind, uh, keep an eye out for our little event page uh, for that on Facebook. That's coming up. All right. So yes. So uh, think you can always catch Kraken Fancast on Spotify as well, Apple Podcasts, and our own website, KrakenFancast.com. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to discuss more Kraken game happenings, maybe some more trades, maybe some more. Who knows what? That uh, no doubt there'll be some interesting news. Thanks much to our producer, Jay Middleton, for Jim Cockrell, Nathan Gunderson, and Luke Chelios. We thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, we say, Go, Go Crack, 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 crack. crack.